Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. I'm Ben Trueblood. With me today is producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. Our topic today is going to be a great one. We have an amazing guest and a topic that is close to all of our hearts. But before we get to that, please leave that rating and review. It takes about 15 to 30 seconds, depending on how fast you are at clicking stars and writing stuff in a blank. When you do that, it helps other people find the podcast. It also, very important, helps us know what you think about the podcast so that we can continue to do the things that you would like us to do in terms of content and production. So let us know what you think. We do the podcast for you, youth ministry leader. And so we want to hear what you uh, would like us to talk about. So leave tips on comments, things like that. Whatever you want to say, we read them all. Uh, and we actually changed the podcast based on feedback. So thanks for doing that. Appreciate it very much. Uh, I would love now to introduce you to our incredible guest for this particular podcast. His name is Drew Dixon. He is on the Lifeway students team. He's the team leader of all of our ongoing Bible study resources. Uh, not what we're here to talk about today, though, because Drew has just released a new book called Know Thy Gamer, A Parent's Guide to Video Games. So, Drew, welcome to the podcast. You've been on before, but it's great to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you all. So we, uh, th those of you that listen to the podcast, like, you know, we, uh, we enjoy talking about games. Nathan and I are gamers. Like this is just something that we do. Uh, so wanted to take some time to talk about this. What I think is a really, really important book, uh, parents guide to video games. There there's without a doubt, parents are, uh, asking questions about the games that their kids play. They are asking, should I be allowing them to play certain games? They are wondering why their kids play games so much. And I don't want to say all, but many parents are clueless about the gaming world in general. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly there are varying levels of expertise from a parent to a kid. So Drew, let's start with just the basic, like what did God put in your heart to begin writing a guide for parents about gaming culture and gaming. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it probably all started with just the fact that, I don't know, um, 12 years ago or so I started playing video games again after a break, uh, <laughs> through seminary and through the early years of my marriage. Um, and that kind of, kind of bothered my wife that I started playing again. Uh, which we can get into later. <laughs> I would but, love uh, to actually, but yeah, but that's just sort of a small example of, of like these, it's a subject of contention amongst a lot of people, especially parents and kids, but also married couples. Uh, and it's not just wives getting upset at their husbands. It's husbands getting upset at their wives. There's plenty of women gamers out there. Um, but yeah, it's a source of contention and it's a big deal. And so, you know, 12 years ago or so, I started writing about video games as I started playing them again. And the reason I started writing about them was because I kind of looked at the Christian landscape of, of writing about pop culture, about, um, you know, things that are a big deal in our culture. And nobody was writing about video games. I shouldn't say nobody. There were people doing it, but there wasn't very much thoughtful 
careful, well-researched, well-rounded, investigative writing about understanding video games, why they matter, um, the good, the bad, the ugly about them. If there was writing about video games, it was just like, hey, you should probably avoid these. They're a waste of time or they're like ruining your spiritual health. Um, And I think those, both of those things aren't true. There's, there's things to be concerned about video games, but what I wanted to do with this book is kind of cut through the stereotypes and give parents real help about how to navigate this space with the goal, with the ultimate goal of loving their children better. That's the goal of parenting. We, we, we parent because we love our kids. If like, if that's not your goal, then you need to like really rethink your approach to parenting. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really the impetus of the book. Yeah. So uh, student pastors, as you're listening to this, this is a great episode and what Drew's going to talk about and, and even the book itself, great tools for you to use as you coach parents on this topic, pass along information about the book, have, you know, email out the link to this podcast, because I think some of the things that we're going to mention here, even just what Drew has said is so important for parents to hear. So this is one of those that you can take and pass along. So I want to encourage you to do that as we get into this topic. So uh, Drew, you mentioned women gamers. You mentioned it's not just wives getting mad at their husbands. Um, I would love to, before we dive into the content of the book a little bit, I would love to kind of rewind and talk about kind of the history of gaming and how it got to where it is now, where it is not just a singular type of person that plays games. Yeah. Uh, But it is, I, anytime we say all or everyone, we may, I think we make (laughs) overgeneralization, but the gaming that we see now is not just the nerdy kid locked behind a bedroom door or in the basement, Mm -hmm. which is like the stereotype of decades ago. It has branched far beyond that. So I would love to hear you talk about, um, kind of the history of the culture of gaming and how it is that it has spread uh, beyond a, a niche subculture, but actually into something that crosses different subcultures. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you just look at some of the statistics today, something like 220 million Americans play video games regularly. So um, that's like two thirds of our population. So wow. the chances are you're a gamer. Um, more, You're more likely to be a gamer than not. So yeah. this whole idea of like gamers being weird or antisocial or whatever. It's just like, that's not true. Everybody's a gamer unless everybody's weird and antisocial, which that could be true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also that antisocial bit is really not true anymore either because everything we do, not just video games, but everything we do nowadays just about is online, right? Like um, we're even doing our grocery shopping online and like we're doing it in ways that are connecting us to other people. Um, and the primary way in which people are playing games now is, is online. Even if, even if your kids aren't like actively playing with other friends in a game, their other friends like watching them play or like, or just know that they're playing. Like they, they get a notification like, Hey, um, you know, uh, Brandon's online now and all of his friends are like, Oh, and they're chiming in and they're all observing each other's scores and what they're doing. And it's all interconnected. So it's very social. It may not be social in the way that you like as parents. I think that's worth talking about. Like, but it, but it's not this antisocial thing anymore. And, um, 
the average gamer is 35 years old, um, upwards somewhere between 40 and 45%. If you look at the statistics over the last five years, somewhere between 40 and 45% of all gamers are women. So, um, you know, and, and, uh, 83% 83% of African-Americans, African-American teens play video games compared to 71% of white teens. So um, it, there's no like, we, we can't really draw up like a, like here's the average gamer because it's so diverse right. now um, right. and it's everywhere and people are doing it all the time. And, um, and games are really diverse. There's a lot of games that, um, yeah, we might not be super happy about our kids playing, but there's a lot of games that are beautifully creative and 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 encourage creative problem solving and teamwork and um, are just like amazing stories. There's amazing stories happening in video games. Um, there's really a, I mean, it's just as diverse, if not more diverse than than film or television is today. There's there's a lot of interesting things happening. There's plenty to be concerned about for Christian parents, but it's but it's yeah, it's it's huge. Is my yeah. point, I guess. Yeah. Man, you said so many things I want to get into. Um, one of them being there's no such thing as the average gamer. I think that's a really important thing to know is the diversity of the person who is the gamer. That it it can it can no I mean you said it yourself. Two thirds of Americans are gamers, yet some are still holding on to this old fashioned belief that a gamer is a certain type of person. So I think mm-hmm. it's right out of the gate to know for parents if you're looking and your child is is gaming to categorize them a certain way is an incorrect view of who they are. The next thing that I wanted to talk about and I want to I want to dive in a little bit here is the social part of gaming. Mm. So uh, you mentioned it would be good to talk about and I agree with you and wrote a note down as you were speaking is that one of the misunderstandings uh, that parents might have, or even some student pastors listening to this, is that if a person is gaming, it means that they're antisocial or they're having problems in a social way. And what you're arguing is that no, gaming is actually a very social activity mm-hmm. for many, if not most, of gamers yep. today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that this is um this is the culture that we're in. It's um you know, there's that that phrase about culture that it's like it's like a fish swimming in water. He doesn't know that he's wet. That's where we all are with social with everything being social. <laughs> like, you know, and again, it's not just games, it's social media uh, where our kids these days are super connected socially. And again, we can talk about um, how healthy that is. Like I, for example, I really want my kids to have like friends that they hang out with in person. Yeah. I want them out in front of our house and our, I mean, you only can do this if your neighborhood is safe. Thankfully our neighborhood is pretty safe, but like I want them outside in our block, hanging out with the other kids in our neighborhood, like running around, playing tag, doing their scooters, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like uh, for a lot of kids, that's dangerous. And so video games becomes this place. They're accessible pr- playgrounds. Um, they're really accessible playgrounds and they're, they're relatively safe playgrounds yeah. compared to 
the playgrounds were some nearest to some people. Um, there are dangers in these playgrounds. And we need to educate ourselves about them. But yeah, um, if you if you talk to the average teenager today, a lot of their best friends are people they they game with regularly. Yeah. Like, so that's so the direct question: Is it possible, in your view, that a person can begin and maintain a friendship through an avenue like gaming? Yeah, I mean, I know I have I have dozens of friends that I met through gaming or or at least like our bond like flourished while gaming. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I have lots of friends who, you know, I know people who've met their spouse through through online gaming and things. And so um yeah, I think it's there I think there's this stereotype amongst parents that those types of relationships must be like lesser. Because mm. the relationships you make with people in the real world are richer. I will agree that hanging out with someone in person is a richer, more life-giving experience for me. And I think for the vast majority of people than, than playing a game online. But that said, that doesn't mean the relationships forged playing games online are, are, um, are lesser or less important or aren't significant that they don't have significance and that they're not important because they do. And I know lots of people that like through the ministry that I co-founded four years ago, Love Thy Nerd, we know dozens of people who've um, been connected to Jesus because yeah. of online gaming. So um, yeah, I think thumbing up our nose at it altogether is missing, missing an opportunity, but it's also like failing to realize this is the world we live in. We're not going back to an era anytime soon where nobody, where the primary way we interact with each other is in, is in face to face. Like that's, yeah. we're not going back there. I think we need to protect that and hold on to it, but, but, but that's not where our culture is headed. And, um, and yeah, to pretend that it is, is, uh, borderline foolish. I think no. <laughs> the, uh, I think it's important just to recognize that as a parent, there are going to be things generationally. Mm -hmm. And this is true for as my parents parented me, there are going to be some generational changes that parents don't understand about the generation that their children are in. Yeah. But I think to, to use your phrase, to turn our nose up at them or to, say, oh, that's just not possible, or be dismissive about the generation that is behind us or two generations behind us as we raise kids, uh, I, think it is, I think it is foolish to be dismissive of that. Because while, while parents might say, or others might say, those aren't real relationships, if the goal, once again, is to learn how to and to put ourselves in a position where we are loving our kids more effectively— then to devalue something they value is a dangerous, is a dangerous move. Mm -hmm. And if they are valuing the relationships and the, and the process of gaming and the puzzle solving and the creativity that it brings. And I, I do want to get to like one of the topics in your book is games are good. So I want to get there in just a minute and unpack that a little bit. But I think for us to dismiss something that our kids are actively involved in, without seeking to understand it is a dangerous thing. Now, certainly there are, yep. like, if our kids were involved in something sinful, we would want to dismiss that. But at the same time, we would want to understand what's behind those temptations and desires. 
Mm-hmm. Like as parents, we would want to seek to understand the, excuse me, the root of that yeah, rather absolutely. than just dismiss it entirely. And so while this is, is not sinful, we should seek to understand the why and seek to understand, okay, these relationships are valuable to you. Like I know mm-hmm. uh, my nine-year-old is about to turn 10, plays a lot of Fortnite. And when he gets to school, like he may not play with everyone from his school online actively, but when he gets to school, that's what they talk about. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that some dads play fantasy football so that they have something to talk about with their friends. Yeah. Our kids are playing games so that they have something to talk about and something to offer. Listen, there were, it's no different to me. Some people watch Sports Center every day so that they can talk about it with their friends at work. Yeah. Fantasy and, football, by the way, is a video game. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I would I would totally accept that. Um Nathan, I think you are uh an example here. I mean, both of us, but you you there are relationships that you have that began as real life relationships. Um, but now you maintain those relationships primarily through the games that you play with those, with your like tight knit friend group from a long time ago, mm-hmm. you play games with them now as a way to stay in contact. So this relationship realness is a, is very close to you. Yeah, it is. It's uh, one of my, I mean, one of my closest best friends um, lives in North Carolina where I grew up and we primarily way we, we talk other than sending memes and stuff back and forth uh, is whenever we play games with each other a few nights, nights a week or whenever we can, we have some of the realest conversations, you know, in lobbies or while we're waiting or those kind of things, you know, to, we'll play all kinds of different types of games, but mm-hmm. it's one of the best ways for us to connect and have meaningful, solid conversations. Cause we're not always calling each other on the phone to have those conversations. And sometimes like, Sometimes you may not even have those like important or real conversations while playing games or in the game lobby, but you need that game experience. You, I think this is, a, I'm a stereotype a little bit, Do but it. I think this is especially true for young men. Uh, that like we need, we need to have an experience together. We need to do something fun together to have the like relational capital to then be able to talk about anything important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if we don't hang out together and don't do something fun together, I'm not opening up to you about, I'm probably never opening up to you about like my marriage or my family or like how my finances are where they're at or like where I need, you know, where I need to grow. Um, I'm just not cause I don't trust mm-hmm. you. <laughs> you haven't shown interest in hanging out with me. You know what I mean? And I suspect that's true of, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I suspect, suspect that's true of like some of, these friendships mm-hmm. you're talking about, Nathan. Yep, for sure. Drew, I, you mentioned young men, and while 40%, 40 to 45% of gamers are women, you mentioned that earlier, I do want to camp out on a topic that I think identifies with young men in a particular way, and that is the adventurous spirit that many games have built into the storytelling the go mm-hmm. out and conquer and these kinds of themes that would seem to connect with the heart of a young man. Uh, I would love to hear your opinion on that. Do, you, do Am I way off? Am I reading too much into it? Mm. Or is there yeah. something God put in 
the heart of a young man to that would seek those things. And in ways that they may not be able to experience in quote, the real world, they can tap yeah. into this desire to do those things through a virtual world, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. M- there may be something there for sure. Um, I definitely think that that is a big part of the appeal of not all, but a lot of video games today. I, I think it appeals to young women too. Um, but, but yeah, there's definitely like, um, one of the cool things about video games is play and that, that we sometimes Christians thumb their noses at this, but I think it's one of the most beautiful things about video games is that they make us feel good about ourselves. Mm. Like when you play a video game, generally speaking, you're winning, you're accomplishing things, you're making progress. Yeah. Um, you're the hero. Yeah, exactly. You're the hero. You're doing epic, amazing things. And then um, I think we thumb our noses at that because we're like, but yeah, you're winning in this fictional like virtual <laughs> space. Like I want my kids to win in the real world. Um, but but also- Now like, they can, thanks to esports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Right. But like, I think we need to slow down and think about, about this reality. Like I want my kids- to feel good about themselves. We're in a culture of like, there's this huge um, mental health crisis in our culture right now, especially amongst teenagers. Um, And so if, if, uh, if playing video games makes them feel accomplished and it gives them a sense of adventure and like excitement, um, I think I want to figure out a way for them to do that in moderation. I'm not saying I want my kids to spend all their time. Like we, this big part of why I wrote the book. I think every every family just about uh, there are rare families where their kids are so responsible that you don't need to set rules around screen time. <laughs> and, but unless you have a super responsible kid who can self regulate, you need to set rules, have guidelines around when and how and what your kids can do on screens. Uh, but that said, like I think video games in moderation, yeah, do give us this amazing sense of exploring a new world and like imagination and creativity and all those things can drive us to enter the real world with a greater sense of optimism, um, with a greater sense of wonder, with a greater sense of like um, determination, like games challenge kids to be more, to to persevere, to push through challenges. And so that can very much translate into the real world where kids have a you know, stronger backbone and try harder. And when they fail, they were like, cause when you fail in a video game, what do you think? Oh, I know what to do next. Like right. I can fix this. I will, I will go a different route or like, I'm going to jump earlier. <laughs> Something as simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but that, that mindset can be taken to the real world in some really positive ways. Drew, I, I, in your book, you talk about two things. And, and they're back-to-back chapters and games are good and games are broken. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for you to talk about those two things, just sure. helping a parent understand, helping a youth pastor that might be listening, understand, hey, here are some of the ways that games are good. And I know we've touched on some of them kind mm-hmm. of indirectly already, but then give the other side too, that, you know, there's, st- we still see brokenness. We still see yeah. sin's effect in our world, Mm -hmm. even through this medium. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we need to remember that games are a product of people made in the image of God. And so 
if every human being is made in the image of God, then that means we, by nature, just of being human, reflect something of God's goodness and beauty and perfection. Um, now, every human being is broken, too, by sin. So while we also reflect God's goodness and glory, we're also like really good at taking good things in creation. So I think, let's, let's, let's put it this way, video games are good because they're part of God's good creation. They're part of what God made possible in creation. And just like everything God made, makes possible in creation, it has tremendous potential. Every human being has tremendous potential to do to bring glory to God and to love and serve their neighbor, to promote the flourishing of the people around them. Um, every human being, also because of our brokenness, has learned how to take good things that God's made and use them to hurt themselves, to use them to harm other people. And so that's kind of the that's the groundwork for for understanding why good why games can be simultaneously good and simultaneously broken. So some of the good things we've already mentioned, but like a sense of wonder, um, games develop perseverance, games are educational, uh, video games um, bring people together so they can be very social and they can bring people together like we talked about, like Nathan and his friends and so forth. Um, games uh, challenge us to um, use our brains. We, you know, you, you watch a movie, you read a book, you play a game. So you're, you're doing creative problem solving on the fly. Like it engages our brains in some healthy ways. Um, but they can also be broken, right? There's, uh, the content that kids will experience in, in some video games is stuff that I don't want my kids introduced to yet. Um, or maybe ever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also things like addiction, um, a lot of modern games are designed to keep you coming back again and again and again. And they're offering <laughs> I you. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're offering you what I would call like extrinsic rewards rather than intrinsic rewards. So like the reward you get for playing again and again and again is like a new outfit for your character or the possibility of a new outfit for right, your character right. through things like loot boxes, which like are basically like slot machines. Um, they're, they're not the greatest. They're not what. They're not the reason I want my kids. Like I don't want my kids playing video games to try and get that new, that new shiny thing. I want them playing games for the intrinsic rewards they could get from them. Things like creative problem solving and teamwork and social connection and all those good things that we mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So I think as parents we need to realize that like there's so much good in this space. There's so much potential for good in this space. And if my child will play them in moderation they can get a lot of good out of it. There's a lot of great things to find there. But at the same time, they need to know they're stepping into a, a place where there are um, there are multi-billion dollar companies <laughs> that yeah. want them coming back again and again and again and don't really care if kids get sucked into them. In fact, they kind of want them to because that means they're going to go ask mom and dad for money to buy more in-game junk <laughs> yeah you know? that's right i mean it and it's you, you used the illustration of the playground earlier and i think that's a really good picture to use because this is a playground to them mm -hmm. and just like any playground and just like other friends that they may have in the neighborhood as parents we should seek to know who those friends are yeah that we know who their parents are that there is some kind of connection there there's like oh our kid is at so-and-so's house and we know where that is and we know who that is Yeah, at like a sure. very baseline level. Right. And so mm -hmm. 
there is a parent responsibility that if we are going to allow our kids to play in this gaming playground, that we know the games that they're playing. Mm-hmm. That we yeah, know who the, they might be playing with. Yeah, who they exactly. might be playing with, because there are dangers in content. There are dangers in people that are going to be lurking. You know, like this is mm-hmm. the world, the broken world that we live in, and those dangers are going to be there, just like they would be on a playground. And so, whereas twenty years ago we might say, "Don't talk to strangers," now that could be the same category, the same rule that applies, but applied in a different way. Or yeah. perhaps talked about in a different way that brings it into our current children's mm-hmm. time frame. Um, Drew, I know that you speak on this. You uh, you do sessions on this at conferences and things. You've been on other interviews. Um, as you have interacted in those rooms, and in just a minute, I'm going to have you give your contact info in case anybody wants you to come speak in their environment to parents cool. on this topic yeah. or whatever. Um, but as you have traveled and spoke and done sessions and conferences on this particular content, what is, are, are there a couple things that parents ask about that kind of rise to the surface? Are there particular issues mm-hmm. that you see that parents struggle with the most in regards to their kids gaming and how do you help them navigate that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest questions I get are like, we joked about this earlier. I always get the question of like, tell me which games my kids shouldn't play. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, the second you carry question, a list with you. That's like, these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually like, uh, uh, well, let me mention the other question. I think the other question is how much, you know, how much is too much or like how much, how much okay. should I let my kids play? Yeah. Um, and I'll touch on that in a minute, but the, the, which games should my kids not play is like a classic Christian question about anything. Like, tell me the movies, tell me the books, tell me the, you know, give me the list of things I should avoid. Yeah. Um, and I kind of hate it <laughs> Yeah. because the whole point of the book is to give parents a backbone and, and to help them realize that it's not, it's not that hard to to parent your kids is not nearly as hard as you think it is. Like it is hard in the sense that our culture is always changing and it's confusing and I get it. And like, I know parents are born out and that's why this book is here. Cause I know it's not easy, but in the other sense it is like, nobody knows how to love your child better than you do. Mm-hmm. And nobody loves them more than you do. So you as a parent, you know, how you can do this like with just a little bit of research and with just a little bit of effort you can figure out if your kid should play X, Y, or Z game. And, you know, and, and, and if you do let him just talk to him about it, like it's, I think it's really that simple. Just if you let him play a game that you're a little bit concerned about, play with them, talk to him about it. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather have good conversations with my kids than, um, you know, just, uh, hand them over to anything, you know? Yeah. Man, I think that the conversation is one of the most important aspects of this, because if we're just given a list and we're like, okay, as long as it's not these 12 games or this specific genre, you're good. Yeah. Well, if, if it stops there, then it, that robs the parent of being able to talk about the content about why we don't engage with that and sitting down with that child, that teenager and saying, Hey, we're not going to do this. But here's why. Yep. And that is such a great conversation because it builds principles. It doesn't just give directives. 
And I think kids are looking for that. It also puts you in a place as a parent where you are showing interest in something that they do. And I think mm-hmm. both of those two things is helping somebody to understand why rather than just give directives and show your interest yep. in something that they're interested in brings a new level of vulnerability mm-hmm. and conversation to that. So, man, yeah, I, I think we, ha- yeah, yeah, I think we have this assumption that like, if I just knew the right rules, my kids would be, would be good. <laughs> like yeah. my kids wouldn't be addicted to video games if I just had the right rule set around video games. Um, but like. We all know, I mean, it's like the story of the Bible reminds us constantly that um, like rules without relationship are pretty bankrupt. Like they're pretty empty. Yeah. God never gives us rules just without desiring a relationship with us. Mm. Um, and so I think the same is true for your kids. Like your rules around screen time are going to be really frustrating for you and for your kids if you don't do the hard work of like, involving your kids in the process of, of giving these rules. Uh, if you don't do the hard work of like explaining why this is, this is going to, these are going to be the rules in your, in your family. Um, yeah. and I totally stole this from Kendra Adachi, who is, um, a podcaster and writer. Um, what is her, I just blanked on her podcast. This is really good, but just search Kendra Adachi. You'll find it. I just totally blanked on it. Um, the lazy genius, lazy, lazy genius. Anyway, she said, when you have screen time rules in your home, they should be clear, collaborative, and written down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so make them really clear. Whatever rules you have in your home, like you should be able to explain them in like a minute or less. If they're so complicated that you need a law degree, you need to simplify. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And if kids are constantly accidentally breaking them, then they're not clear enough. Yeah. Um, they, they need to be collaborative. And so she says, and I think it's so true, like involve your kids in the process of making the rules. I'm not telling you to let your kids decide what the rules are going to be, but let them have a seat at the table so that when the rules are enforced, you're like, hey, this is what you agreed to. And also yeah. so that they feel like they do have a voice because they do. Like if your kids don't have a voice in your home at all, like you probably need to rethink your parenting too because – they matter. They have a voice. Their voice matters to God. It should matter to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then written down, write them down. So everybody knows, Hey, the screen time rules are on the wall or they're like in the family notebook or whatever it is. If you have a question, you can go look at them, but you know, this is, this is exactly what they are. We want to set our kids up for success, right? So we want to make the rules like clear written down. We've got it. And so that when you have to enforce them, kids understand. And uh, we'll freak out a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Drew, I'd love for you to give contact information, how people can get in touch with you. Maybe they want to follow up about something that uh, they heard on the podcast or uh, want to invite you to be a part of their parenting thing that they've got coming up in the future. So I sure. uh, would love for you to give that real quick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can email me anytime on my Lifeway email. That's drew.dixon at lifeway.com. That's probably the best way to reach me. I'm not super active on social media anymore, but I am on Twitter. So at underscore Drew Dixon, and it's D-I-X-O-N. Perfect. So Drew's book is called Know Thy Gamer, A Parent's Guide to Video Games. Uh, this is a great tool for parents. So again, student pastors, feel free to pass this podcast along as well as information about the book and it's also 
great information for you, youth pastors, as you continue to help families connect at home around spiritual conversations. Uh, oh, and and, go ahead. I was going to say, there's one other thing that I think is helpful for student pastors who are listening to this. The last chapter of the book is called Games or Mission, which is actually a challenge to see ways engaging in video games could be a way to point people outside of our churches to Jesus. And so I think student pastors might get a lot of help from that chapter. I agree with you. And Nathan, we have, as we've traveled for essentials and those kinds of things. And uh, youth pastors, you may not be aware of this, but we have a Discord uh, channel that is for youth pastors. And there's people that meet up and play games. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have, you play games, student pastor and want to play with other youth pastors, then we've got, we've got a Discord. So Nathan mentioned the Discord, but also as we've traveled uh, and done conferences with youth pastors all over the country, a common theme has started to rise up more and more. And that is just as we would say, hey, be involved in an extracurricular activity during fall, you know, go to a football game on Friday nights and see parents and students in the band and cheerleaders and football players and like all of that kind of stuff, connect with people. Student pastors having a night that they say, hey, this is game night. If you play X game. We're going to be doing that from seven to nine. Come hang out. That is, we're hearing that more often as student pastors are using that as a way to connect and build relationships with their students. Even like what Drew just said about the mission. Hey, if you play Fortnite, bring some friends. We're going to be playing for a couple hours on Tuesday nights or whatever. Yeah, it's probably one of the best ways to, I mean, right now I think it's one of the best ways out there to get, if you're looking for an event to do for students to maybe bring their non-church friends or friends that might not come to something else having a game night might be one of the most effective ways it's a great way too to cross like you said drew those i think those boundaries or those segments in society that we think still exist where i always like mm-hmm. to say the the star quarterback may be playing with the captain of the chess club they may never talk to each other at school but they'll play with each other two hours a night and know each other as best friends online kind of mm-hmm. a deal so and this event costs you nothing because yep. you just sit in front of your they'll bring console the consoles they'll bring the yeah. stuff for you yeah. just maybe have some tvs yeah they might know, even so bring the tvs these they days. might you never know <laughs> yeah. or just do it from home and like that, everybody yeah. that can. works too yeah yeah but yeah you can check out that discord at student pastor game night on discord if you want to find it and join we'd love to have you all cool That's well awesome. drew thank you for uh taking the time to be with us thank you for writing this book it's a great one. And student pastors, parents, listen to this. I hope you take advantage of Know Thy Gamer, A Parent's Guide to Video Games by Drew Dixon. So I hope that you check it out. You can find it at bnhpublishing.com or lifeway.com or Amazon. So go get you a copy. Uh, use it to train parents. Give copies to parents. This is a great resource for them on a really important topic. So uh, producer Nathan, I would love to know what you're taking away after this episode. Yeah. I think one of the things that he said towards the beginning that really got my mind thinking was that video games are kind of an accessible playground. And then I really started in my head fleshing out what that actually meant. And when he talked about all the different demographics that play video games, I think people need to understand that a video game from the social standpoint that we were talking about really is like the neighborhood playground. And so I think when we go back to like, yeah, we would just spend hours outside each day. I think the question now is, society the world looks a lot different and so not everyone has access to that playground or maybe that playground is not safe 
usually most playgrounds aren't lit physically with lights, you know, whenever the sun goes down. But students, kids now can still play in that playground, meet with their friends whenever they don't have a chance to physically do so. And even for longer hours than, you know, just whatever the sun is up. And so I think helping people realize that the video game context of whether you're playing online or Fortnite or maybe you're a multiplayer, some Minecraft or whatever it is, is that sense of community conversations are happening, maybe even more so than the playground when you were running around just playing tag or throwing the football game where all we're really talking about is, hey, what route should we run next? Right. So you may be trading some of the physical exercise, but I think you're getting a lot more of the mental exercise with the video games. And I really do think that social aspect is huge uh, that I think is somewhat under underappreciated or under realized by parents and other people who are not really into video games or people who are like, man, you should never play video games. You should just watch TV. And I would argue well, whenever you're watching TV, you're just kind of taking it in when you're playing a video game. Not only you're taking it in, but you're having to make decisions about what to do next, how you want to develop a story or create this thing or what, you know, you're making decisions. You really are working through those kind of those mental processes in your development. I think so. I felt like the playground example was a really helpful one too. I think, especially for parents that are trying to understand and say, okay, like what are some things that I like easy handholds that I can begin to understand what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was thankful for that picture Uh, the social aspect of it is something that I continue to come back to. And we've talked about it on the podcast and other, uh, other instances before too. Um, but understanding that it is a valid social outlet is something that, that is necessary for parents. We may not want it to be their only social Mm -hmm. outlet. And I understand that. And I think that's healthy to take that viewpoint, but to dismiss it entirely, when they're saying, Hey, this is something that's important to me is, is, is a wrong move in mm-hmm. my opinion. And so I'm really thankful uh, for the way that drew approached it. And like, obviously we are very pro game on this podcast and personally <laughs> uh, I play games multiple times a week with my kids. And so like, this is something that uh, is a part of our family culture, so to speak. Um, and I know that I know that it's not, with everyone. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be. This podcast is not about go out and buy all the consoles and sell out to a particular thing. I do think it's about, and again, I'm going to come back to his approach in recognizing both the good and the brokenness that can exist in this, in this part of the world and coming at it from the angle of parents. This is a big part of our culture and I want to help you know how to love your children more effectively. I think that that as the prism by which Drew views this topic is very, very helpful. Uh, and one that I, th- I think a lot of parents will appreciate. Hey, this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next time.